God's going to do something special today. I believe it. I uh, had mentioned to the team, I'm always excited to see what he's going to do today on a Sunday. Because you never know how he's going to meet people and who he's going to reach out to. Um, but this morning, he specifically has a few of you in mind to shower you with the love of God and to bring you out of a place that maybe you're stuck in. We're going to continue the series called The Journey. And the title of a message, which I usually don't have, but the title today is that it's time to hope again. And I struggled this week to... I struggled this week to know what I should share with you. I went back and forth, unsure whether or not I should do a Christmas theme or one more shot at talking to you about this idea of the journey. And so I chose to spend one final week on this subject, knowing that I've only scratched the surface of what God wants to do with all of us on this journey. But I also know that we have established together the purpose and the primary in, an intention of God of why he has taken you the route that he has taken you. Because sometimes the way that we go through life, the way that life happens to all of us, begs us all to ask the question, God, do you know what you're doing? God, do you know where we're going? God, will you at least tell me a little bit about what you're up to? And there's a few things that I believe that the Lord is going to deal with this morning if we allow him to. It's a big if, but I, I pray that you will be sensitive and humble and courageous enough to allow God to deal with you in the place that you're at. One of the things that I hope that is cultivated here at New Day is that none of us are pretending that the moment you step into this place that you can take off the mask that sometimes we live in, live with. That mask that has that, you know, <laughs> that fake smile. Anybody? No? Okay. You guys, I took that off. I don't need to smile today. That mask often that we want to portray something to other people. And I want us to all feel that we can come as we are. It doesn't mean we stay as we are, but we, we can know that there's a level of love in this place, of comfort in this place, that this is where I'm at right now. And I'm praying that God meets me there. And so I believe that he's going to deal with three specific areas or three specific people in this room. The first one, you can put this on the screen, is those who are dealing with disappointment. And at the end of the service, I'm going to have an opportunity myself, Pastor Dan, who's with us, and Miss Susie from Wisconsin. Thank you for being with us today. They're very dear to my heart. I, I served with him in ministry for four months right when I got out of college and... Shawano, Wisconsin. You feel sometimes, this is not a knock on Wisconsin, but you, I felt like I was walking backwards sometimes. In Illinois, it's a little bit more fast-paced there. It's like, come on, we'll, we'll, except for Pastor Dan. He's, he's a 100 miles an hour guy. Pastor Patty and myself are going to pray for people after service, and there's going to be a line here for those who are dealing with disappointment, a line here who are dealing with discouragement, and a line here who are dealing with despair. You're like, I'm all three. <laughs> Just leave them. But disappointment, disappointment is circumstantial. Disappointment is, man, I, I, I hope that this was going to work out and it just didn't work out the way that I had hoped. Where's John Walsh in this place? I want to commend my friend because he's gone through that season and today we just had a brief conversation. But he said, 
I'm in a good place. And I know that not everything has changed in his circumstances. But to know that God, through grace and the power of the Holy Spirit, can bring you to a good place, even though the circumstances may be disappointing. And then there's discouragement. Discouragement comes out in the place of, I don't know if I can make it anymore. That you're just done with this season of your life where you feel like you're at the end and you're just not sure if things are going to turn around or how you're going to make it. And you're more focused on the fact that you're discouraged about why things have not turned out the way that you wanted them to more than you are about the joy of what God has been doing in your life. And then there's despair. And my heart goes out for you. And I'm going to ask Pastor Dan to pray for those who are in a place of despair. I know he's faced off with moments in his life where he's hit low moments, but he's been able to, and by the grace of God, God is, he used to pastor for probably how many years, 20 years? Close to 20 years, and just recently we reconnected, and he had shared with me how much God has been using him to advance God's kingdom outside of being a pastor. And it's exactly what I'm praying for those in New Day is that I am calling you up into the ministries that God has given each and every one of you. That you are not here to help me build New Day. I am here to build you up and to call you up so that you can go outside these walls and fulfill the very things that God has placed on your heart by, your, God, by his own grace. So that you would be courageous enough to step out and do things that you normally wouldn't do. Because it's easy to be comfortable with where we're at in life. But despair is a place where you say these words... I can't go anymore. I can't do it anymore. I can't take anymore. I'm done. And I'm just going to ask as the Holy Spirit ministers through this message, if he begins to go, that's you for disappointment or that's you for discouragement or that's you for despair, that you would realize that he wants to love you out of that, that he wants to call you up. He wants to raise you beyond some of those things that we so easily deal with each and every week. And you can respond at the end of service as God leads you to. As I mentioned in week number one, as we were talking about the journey, there are two seasons that you face along this journey. And both of them are good. The first one is a season of his presence. A season of his presence is where you can dream again. It's a season where you feel like you're intimate with God, where, man, the words on the pages of the Bible just start to pop out. And you feel like, man, me and God, we are flying high. And then there's a season of his apparent absence. How many know that God never leaves us, nor does he forsake us? But how many know he does hide? And he makes it very well known that there's sometimes, there's seasons in your life where you don't feel him. There's seasons in life where you're praying and you don't feel like your prayers even left the ceiling. There's seasons in your life where you're reading the Bible and you have no clue why it's not popping like it used to. And oftentimes it's in those seasons where we look in God and go, what did I do wrong? But I want to reassure you, both those seasons are good. Both those seasons are God-ordained. Both of those seasons are necessary for each other. And both of those seasons are fueled with God's love in mind. One is not worse than the other. One is not because you did something wrong. One is not trying to teach you a lesson, the other not. One is a season of dreaming and the other is a season of growing. And there's so much to talk about when it comes to this journey that we're on with our Father. But I want you to remember that this journey is one of discovery. Of discovering who He is for you and who you are to Him. 
And that's why I love it when Ryan's ministering while he's worshiping because you can hear the language of one who is capturing the idea that I am his. When Nikki says it's because, he's, because he loves us, he gives us the grace, she's capturing this idea of I am his and this is who he is for me. And so this journey that God has us on is one of discovery of God, who are you for me? And at every single moment, he can be something new. And oftentimes, we get so fixated on who we want him to be or who he's promised to be when we lose sight of who he wants to be right now. We're so fixated that we want him to be our healer when he says, I want to be your sustainer. Yes, he's promised us healing, but he's so much greater than just those end destinations. And I hope you're realizing that the destination is not God's primary purpose of the journey. The promised land was not God's primary purpose for the children of Israel. What was the primary purpose? Relationship. That he would not, he not just be seen as their deliverer, but he would be seen as their shepherd. And that he would begin to build this relationship, one of a father or a bride and a husband, rather than a slave and a master. And that's why I want to encourage all of you, and sometimes when you pray, we always use the term God. Every so often, just sprinkle in there, Abba Father, and watch how it changes the intimacy of your prayers. To realize that he's not just the creator of the universe, but he has actually, by the presence and the grace of God, has become your father, and we have become his ch children. And in Romans 8.29, in the New King James Version, it says these words, for whom he foreknew, he also predestined. So he foreknew us and he predestined us for what? To be conformed to the image of his son Jesus. That is the primary intention of this journey that we're on is identity. He wants us to know whose we are and who we are to him. That we are all about him conforming us to the image of Jesus Christ. My friend and his wife, uh, he just ministered here a couple weeks ago named Tony and Ajusena. They just ran a marathon, the Chicago Marathon. And when you come into conversation with them about the, the experience, you know what they talk more about? The preparation, not the race. And I hope that we can begin to not embrace the journey, but to embrace the one who is with us on the journey. That we would be more interested in not just the destination and God when and God how and God if, but God, I'm just going to enjoy this with you. So if we take a right turn, and I feel like we should have taken a left turn, Father, I trust you, and I'm just going to enjoy this moment with you because I know that you're leading me this way so that you and I can become more intimate in relationship. And we, you see, we can get so fixed on our destination. We can get so consumed by where we believe God is taking us. I remember I was there. At times it becomes to put blinders on you because you are so ready about God doing this in your life that sometimes when you take a little detour, you get all ruffled. Your feathers get all ruffled. Why? Because it's just not the way that it should be, right? And man, man God, it's, it's right there. Why are, we going, why are we going this way? And I showed you how Right down the Mediterranean was a nine-day journey to the promised land. He did not punish them by taking them to the wilderness. What did he do? He knew that there was enemies along that route. And he said, lest they see the enemies, they're going to go back to Egypt. I'm going to take them this way because I'm going to cause them to become a bride-minded people. 
And rather than get so fixated on the destination, we need to begin to embrace him and his promises to us. That he wants to be an intimate father with his children. Because at the end of the day, we all have to realize that we're part of a greater plan. It's a plan of redemption. It's a divine plan of, of transforming his people from an orphan-minded people to those who have been called by his name. To those who have been chosen. To those who have been made holy. To those who are special and to those who are royal. That's you. And that's who he's transforming all of us to be. That's his primary intention, is making us the people of God who are called by his name to represent him wherever we go. That's you. He chose you. He has called you to be that special, holy, royal individual. And I know it doesn't make sense. I know you can list the many reasons why you don't qualify to be what he's called you to be. And so could I. But that is not what God is asking us to do. He's not asking us for a resume. He doesn't want to know if we feel qualified. He doesn't want to know if we feel like we're up for the task. He wants us to know what he believes about us. And he is looking for those who will simply surrender. For those who will just believe that God can take anyone, someone like you, someone like me, and do something special in this world. Amen. Wow. Each and every one of us have been given an invitation to a deeper, intimate relationship with the Father every single day, every single trial, every single difficulty, every single joyful moment is an invitation to say, come closer to me and let's enjoy this together. And you know what? It's free, but it costs everything. Amen? No. It's free, but it costs everything. Jesus even said these words in Luke chapter 17. He said, cue the screen. Ah, oh, there you go. Whoever seeks to save his life will what? Lose it. It means if you hold on to what you think is so precious, you lose it. But who is willing to give up his life? He preserves it. He finds it in Christ. And I truly believe that God's arms are open this morning. He's inviting each and every one of us. That it's an invitation of a lifetime to follow him wherever he may lead. No matter how hard it may get or how joyful of the adventure it may be. That the invitation is to follow and to allow him by his grace to develop us into his special people. And as Romans says that the earth is what? Groaning for the manifestation of who? Sons and daughters to take their place on this earth, to represent the Father, to say, I believe I am a child of God. And this journey that we're on is one filled with many challenges, but also great and precious promises. It's a journey of faith, of learning how to trust God. Nobody's perfect at it. Nobody has trust in God 100%. It's a journey of learning how to do so. Of realizing we're not sure why things happen or why our perfect plans don't go the way that we had hoped that they would. But regardless of what we may face and the trials that we may encounter, there is always hope. Would you say hope? A hope that doesn't fade. A hope that is the anchor of our souls. A hope that comes only 
from Jesus and no one else and nothing else. It's a hope of a new life. It's a hope of a fresh start. It's a hope of healing from the pain that many of you are suffering, suffering right now. It's a hope of freedom from addiction and hope of provision in the midst of great lack. It's hope of knowing that God will never leave you nor forsake you. It's a hope of a brighter tomorrow. And it's a hope, which is great, of eternity with your Father forever. It's hope. And David said these words. He said, be of good courage. Doesn't matter what you're going through. Those words never change. That David said, be of good courage. I don't know how, Justin, and I get that. Justin, I can't. I don't get that because you can do all things through what? Christ, who's the one that will strengthen you. So as you give joy in the moment of turmoil and chaos, that's where the strengthening process comes from. He strengthens those who are, are weak. And it says, be of good courage, for he shall strengthen your heart, you who hope in the Lord. Deep down, we all aspire, I believe at the core of everybody in this room, we all aspire to do great things for God. But at times, how many feel like you're just daunted by the process of seeing that come to play? Where you're here, what you've been dreaming about is here, you've been getting older but no closer to what you've dreamed. And it seems like it's so far away, and I want to encourage many of you in this room that you feel like you're older, but you're further away, I want you to know that God is a redeemer of time. That what he may look like it should take 10 years, he can turn it around in one, one year. That God has the ability to speed up the process when we're finally ready to yield. When we're finally ready to say, God, I know it's not about me making it there. I know it's about you and I. And that's when the process starts to speed up. I know at times this process or this journey can seem so hard. And you may be experiencing disappointment or discouragement or ultimately hopelessness around your dreams and around the ministries that God has given each and every one of you. But the key is to learn how to hope in the Lord again. And I truly believe that our real battle is with expectation, with anticipating what God has for us, to realize that just like Paul said, we are to fight the what? Good fight of faith. It's a fight. Just because you got everything going on and you and God are good doesn't mean there's a fight. No, the fight with you and God is over, but the fight with you and the enemy is on. And he will do anything and everything to steal, kill, and destroy the very things that God has placed on the inside of you. In fact, the very words that I'm speaking over you, guess what he's coming to steal when you leave these doors? The word of God from the soil of your heart. That's why it says, above all else, guard your heart, for out of your heart will spring the issues of life. Guard these words that I'm saying over you. Guard them, because the moment you leave these doors, you'll be bombarded with what you didn't do, and why you're not qualified, and who you're not with God, and how he is toward you. And if you lose sight of what I'm speaking to you, you'll lose the words and the seeds that were planted inside of you. And Paul said these words in 1 Timothy 6, 12. He said, fight the what? The good fight. It's a good fight. Why? Because we win. 
And it's a good fight because God is on your side, amen? And it's a good fight because we have already won this fight. And the enemy, all he wants to do is just outlast you and to wear you down and to intimidate you to a place where you stop believing. But he says, fight the good fight of faith. Lay hold of eternal life to which you have been called. And you have confessed the good confession in the presence of many witnesses. So what is hope? Hope is simply the anticipation. I love that word because as I went over this and over this and over this, finally I found that word that to me, it made all the sense in the world. Hope is anticipation of God's goodness on my life. So if we have lost hope, guess what we've lost? Anticipating and expecting that God is going to be good to me in this situation. And many of us feel like we've disqualified from that allowance, that God doesn't have to be good to me. He never had to be good to you, but he's good and he's perfect. And every good and perfect gift comes from where? Above, in the, from the Father of lights in whom there's no shadow of turning. He's good and he wants to shower you with goodness. Why? Because he's good. And so there's this hope, there's this anticipation that I pray, even as we pray for those up here in the front, that the anticipation will rise again of going, ooh, I'm excited about how God's going to turn this around. I'm excited about what God's going to do in my spouse's life. I'm excited that, God, you're going to bring provision. I'm excited that, God, you are going to see me through this valley. It's anticipation. And it's all he intends for us. And this way of thinking, of anticipating his goodness, expecting his goodness, ultimately should become the lifestyle of every believer. But where does this hope come from? And how is this hope developed inside your life? Because I can assure you of this, hope is not just a gift that he gives us. It comes through a very weird channel. And when we finally learn to embrace how hope arises in their hearts, it helps us to embrace everything that we go through. So it's time to hope again. Amen, church? Would you look with me at Romans chapter 5 for a moment? 